people of faith in Christ, you're the church. So when we talk about core values for the church, we're talking about you. And, um, and it works. And it's uh, part of what a church should be about, what you should be about in your life. And this is called an outward focus. Let me read it to you from the program. Um, and you see it again every, every week, I know. Um, we believe that we are called to constantly reach out and serve the spiritual needs of our neighbors. Thus, we will give priority to the needs of people who are seeking to find God. And, of course, that's a big spectrum. That's a big statement. That's a great concept. And uh, we need to think about it. It's interesting because we all have, it's funny how this works with us human beings. We all have, you know, people we identify with. We want to, you know, sometimes that's our alumni association. Sometimes that's our professional associations and um, clubs and country clubs. In some cases, it's, it's, uh, you know, a a team or or a sport, you know, sport. As a golfer, I'll tell you this, you go into any, any, you go into Golfsmith or any, any golf place. And and, and even though you're in the middle of New Jersey where people don't, aren't exactly friendly, friendly to each other, um, you go into a golf store and all of a sudden you can just talk, you know, hey, I'm looking for a three wood and people around, oh, you know, I got this, well, I got this. It's funny how that works. They have this thing in common called golf. Um, teams oftentimes. In fact, in fact, I started. I thought about walking out today in, in a Yankee, uh, my Yankee shirt and Yankee hat, and um, to just to, just to kind of talk about. You know, I identify with the Yankees, but because I'm a gracious, compassionate individual, and because the Yankees are on a seven or eight game streak, and if you're a Mets fan, you know, or a Boston fan, or some other awful team, um, you got. I'm kidding. I'm only kidding a little. Um, I didn't wear my Yankee hat and Yankee shirt, but, but I, I would have, just to say, we want to identify with something, and, and whether that's a team or, or, or whatever, whatever it might be. Here's the thing that's really important. We who are followers of Christ, wherever we are on that spectrum, the church, a group of people who are, uh, are, are followers of Christ, we can, we can find in this group identity, acceptance, love, forgiveness, and it doesn't require sponsorships. It doesn't require references. It doesn't require pedigrees. There's no, no preferred political party, in spite of some would like us to think there is. There's not, you know? I, I was, for many years, was a part of, of groups that, you know, thought they would say you had to be Republican to be, to be really a serious follower of Christ. And of course, I don't know that I ever believed that. It's just one of those things. It, it hit me the first time I went to a national prayer breakfast back in the early 90s, Clinton's second or third year. And, uh, and it hit me all of a sudden that I was there. And here all of a sudden there were Democrats, uh, known Democrats, who were reading the scriptures, who were praying. And I was like, dang, they do that too, you know? Um, and it was a very eye-opening thing for me. Obviously, I didn't, re- I wasn't that far, I wasn't that sheltered. But it was really cool, and it's always cool every year at the prayer breakfast because the whole party thing gets put aside, and it's people who are followers of Christ, and and there are plenty on each side of the aisle, you know. And uh, there's no preferred party, no preferred university, um, no 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 dress code. I mean, we hope you have good taste, but. It, but even if you don't, you know, if you don't, we'll just call you an artist and put you on stage. You know, that's what we'll do. So, no, no, no I'm kidding. But isn't that funny how artists can do that? Uh, artists, artists, you can put them up here. I mean, Jimmy happens to look really nice today, but, but somebody, Jimmy can be up here or, or Steve, any of them. 
can be up here, and they can have on nasty jeans, nasty t-shirts. Yeah, doesn't they look cool? You know, I mean, that's just that's part of the deal. I don't get it. I just don't get it. They, they just get that free pass. I do that, and you're like, what in the heck is wrong with Rich? Why does he look like that today? No, there, uh, seriously, there's no dress code for anybody. I mean, this is part of the thing that I really want you to see, and that is that, that it's simply a matter of a common denominator of faith, great or small, in Christ. That's what it is. That's That's the... That's whatever it is for acceptance in this thing called church, the body of Christ. We are people who have been set free, or at least can be set free, from that greatest addiction of self-absorption into a transforming mode of developing this outward focus. And it's an internal thing. I want to make sure you understand that. It's an internal thing. I'm not just talking about being a better person. That will be the result, but that's not just the key. I remember when I was 14 years old, hard to believe this is, this is really happened. My dad gave me an old beaten up book um, and said, you need to read this, son. And so I, my dad didn't do that very much. And um, I said, okay, I'll read it. And um, in fact, it may be the only time he ever told me to read a book. And... Um, it was a, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And uh, I've obviously I've since passed that tradition along to both of my kids. It's just a great book. It gives you some great principles. It gives you some great principles on, on, on just personal relationships and so forth. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something much more thorough and much deeper when we talk about this whole thing of an outward focus. Okay? I'm talking about something that happens inwardly that has an effect on the outward. And let me, let me show you this. I'm going to start off with a C.S. Lewis quote, and I'm going to end with a C.S. Lewis quote. But this is one that I've used before, but it, it just really describes and illustrates my point so wonderfully. Niceness, wholesome, in, integrated personality is an excellent thing. We must try by every medical, educational, economic, and political means in our power to produce a world where as many people as possible grow up nice, just as we must try to produce a world where all have plenty to eat. For mere improvement is not redemption, though, imp- though redemption always improves people, even here and now, and will in the end improve them to a degree we cannot yet imagine. Watch this, watch this. God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. Don't miss that point. That's so big, to produce a new kind of man. We're not talking about principles just to make you a better person. That will be the result. We're talking about principles that make you a new person inwardly. And and that's why we, we, we need to understand this when we start talking about an outward focus. An outward focus is huge, but it must begin thoroughly as we understand who Christ is, that he lived, suffered, died, rose again, did that for me. And as I trust him, I become, and this transforming process takes over, and in becoming more of the person that he wants me to be. So understanding that, let me get to three very simple gotta-haves. These are gotta-haves. Now, that's not going to show up on the screen because the they, I don't know who they is, but there's always a they wherever you work, right? There's always a they. Well, they come in and they say, well, that doesn't look good. That's not good English. You can't use that on the screen. Well, here, I have it in my notes. Gotta haves for having an outward focus. G-O-T-T-A. That's that's what I got, okay? So just so you know, gotta haves for having an outward focus. 
Here you go. Three things, very quick, very simple, but very powerful. The first one is this. It's understanding the importance of belonging. We've got to start there. I want to begin with a quote from a great rabbi. It's great. We have, you know, we have Jewish folks that come to, every Sunday we have Jewish folks that come here. And not all of them have, have you know, there are, there are always uh, some, some are sympathetic to the message of Christ and some admittedly say to me, I love, love coming here. I just, you know, the whole Jesus thing I, I just can't quite track with. And I'm like, just keep coming. Just keep coming, you know? We love having you, and I mean that. We do. Um, so, so just to throw them a bone, I'm going to give them a, a, a rabbi quote today. Okay, here we go. This is a good one, though. This is Joseph Loth Liebman. He wrote some, he, he was also an author, some great, great, some great books. The primary joy of life is acceptance, approval, the sense of appreciation, and companionship of our human comrades. You get that? companionship over human Many men do not understand that the need for fellowship is really as deep as the need for food. And so they go through life accepting many substitutes. That substitute may be a job or a career that just keeps them busy 24-7 practically. That substitute may be money. Maybe relationships of, that may not be so healthy for you. It may be, you know, who knows? I'm going to say it, even though it's my game. It, it, it could be golf. You know, it could be fill in the blank, whatever your thing is. Music could be entertainment. Um, there's no substitute. Now, I like the way he says it. There's no substitute for that, that need for fellowship, really as deep as the need for food. And yet we do try often to find substitutes for it. There aren't any. I want to take you to the book of Philippians. I'm going to go through about eight verses. I'm going to just take the first two verses right now to help us understand this sense of, of the importance of belonging. This is a passage, this is a Bible, excuse me, a, 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 a epistle in the Bible, a letter in the, in the Bible that was, Paul had written to the church at Philippi, and uh, there had been some bickering that was going on. And I don't mean, I don't mean, some, I don't mean theological you know, arguments, I don't mean things that really matter. They weren't talking about the, the, you know, the, the authority of the Bible, or they weren't talking about the, the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or they, weren't, they, were just, they were just bickering. We don't know what they were bickering about. It could have been, you know, who's bringing nice food or bad food to the latest uh, church potluck. Who knows what they were. They, they, I mean, you know, I've, if you've been in very many churches very long, you know, people who, even people who are people of faith can bicker about some of the most ridiculous things. Um, so anyway, let me show you what's going on here. So he, he says this in chapter, chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1, Philippians. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and, compa- and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Now, let me just real quickly tell you something about that. I want to leave those verses up there. Um, I'm going to read you just, an, a quick ep, a, just a quick excerpt from a, um, a blurb from a Bible knowledge commentary, one of the commentaries I like a lot, talking about it. So I help you translate this verse a little better. A little Greek, hang here with me, all right? I know a little, you know a little Greek? I know a little Greek. It has a hot dog stand down on it. No. Um, I know uh, uh, I had three years of Greek, and every now and then I like to kind of show it off. Um, and I'm always careful about it because I usually get something wrong and somebody, somebody there had full four years of Greek and they're like, oh, you missed that. You missed that parsing of that verb. Anyway, especially in this, this crowd. Um, here's what he's saying here. Paul, and I'm just going to read this to, to you real quick from his commentary. Paul had written about, the, about living the Christian life in harmony with the message on which it is based. He followed the message with a call to show forth spiritual unity. Here's what he says. The unity is possible because of the reality of the four qualities mentioned. 
Here's the part that I want you to hear real, real, real clearly. The if clauses being translations of the first class conditions in the Greek, it's called a Greek first class condition, um, speak of certainties. The passage that's, that's, that says if should be translated since. So as you look at these verses, what you really have then is saying if or since you have any encouragement, since you, it's an assumption of truth. Since you have encouragement of being united with Christ, since there is comfort from the love of Christ, that's what he's saying, since there is fellowship in the Spirit, and, and since there is tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by quit your stinking bickering. That's what he's saying. Quit bickering over stuff. Later on in this chapter, or not in this chapter, but in this book, later in Philippians 4, he even calls out two people. He says, come on, quit your, quit, quit your bickering over ridiculous stuff. His point is this. It, it, all he's saying here, and I, don't want, I really want you to get this very clearly, he is not saying that when, you, you know, when you're a part of this thing called church, this fellowship, that we all are going to agree on everything. The old saying that you've heard me say many times, if two people agree on everything, only one of them is thinking. And uh, it's just, it, unfortunately, that's just true. I mean, it's just true. And uh, so I, that's not what he's saying. He's saying we're pulling in the same direction. You know, and, and in some cases, we, we put our bickering aside. In some cases, we put it aside till we can figure out how to work it out. Yeah, there's some lessons in that for a marriage too, by the way. You know? Some people get hung up on such minutia. It's unbelievable. And sometimes you get, I do at least sometimes, get called in in some situations, not where they need a psychologist or a therapist, because I'm neither, but it's somebody just to kind of facilitate, and they'll start, well, what are you arguing? Well, we're arguing over whether it's this. Are you kidding me? You know? And usually I say something like that. I mean, some, we, get, we get crazy, don't we, over, over who did the most clothes, who did the most dirty, door, dirty laundry, you know, who, who did the most clothes, you know? He, you know, we got an equal thing here, man. And, you know, he, he didn't do the washing like he was supposed to. I'm like, you guys can't work this out by yourselves? Come on. Let me pray and ask Jesus to work in your heart. Um, I'm not that callous, but sometimes I do say, are you freaking kidding me? But, but I'm select where I say that. We need to have an understanding of belonging, and belonging means we're not going to agree on everything. It means we're going to be pulling in the same direction. We have a common denominator, and that is faith, great or small, in Christ. And maybe I'm not quite as far along as somebody else. That's not the issue. It's an understanding of, of, of the importance of, of, of belonging. Second, second gotta have here. One is this importance of belonging. The second one is just being others-minded, right? It's being an others-minded follower of Christ. Next verse in that passage we were just reading in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, just, just watch what he says and read. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I would add that means arrogance as well. But in humility, consider yourselves, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He says, listen, look out. It's interesting that he puts it that way. He says, each of you should look not only to your own interest. That's the assumption. He knows you're going to do that. But also to the interest of others. And by the way, this is talking in general you can interpret it to your home, husband, wife, kids, parents, friends, people you play with, people you work with, whatever. 
Then, I want you to see verse, he says, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I want you to just read that. Just, I want to read that just because it's so good. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, which, of course, was of great shame. Listen. All he's saying here is you really need to have this outward focus individually. Not just corporately, but individually. And that's going to look different ways for different... He's not saying we all have to have the same personality. Some of us are a little crazy on this. First time I came here, I committed one of the great faux pas of the world. I was here... First, the first day I came, I just was just talking to the people about this position. It was six, seven years ago. Seven years ago. And uh, Steve Young, our creative arts director, he and I got on a train to go into the city to meet somebody else. And, and I had, I think maybe ridden, I'd been in the city many times, but I had not, I hadn't been on New Jersey Transit all that much, you know. I don't know if you know this or not, but you don't usually come to New York and say, hey, I want to ride New Jersey Transit, baby. Um, I know it comes as a shock sometimes, but hang on. Um, anyway, so we got on the train, Steve and I, to go in, and I, and I didn't think anything about it. I got on, and, and, and you know, there was th- four or five people right around, hey, how you doing? You know. And, um, and Steve didn't say anything to me. It would be about a year or two later before Steve would tell me. He said, by the way, we were, we were talking about something else. And he said, you remember that time on the train back a year ago or whenever it was? I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, do you know that you scared those people? <laughs> and I said, no. I had no idea. He said, you didn't see him kind of bounce, jump back like that? And I said, and, I, and I, I, as, I looked, as I thought back about it, I thought, you know, he's right. So, you know, I just for the record, I have since learned the train etiquette around here, and I've learned that in the morning you keep your voice very, very low, and you, you, know, you just kind of mind your own business. You know, I've learned all that stuff, so don't be embarrassed to ride the train with me. Um, but I'm, when I talk about being outwardly focused, that's not what I'm talking about necessarily, okay? The way that looks, that, that, that characteristics of that outward focus thing is, is basically just, this, just some general things. Don't, don't get too crazy with these. Just some general things. You, do you leave a conversation knowing more about the other person than they do you? And, and this isn't a contest. It's not a game. But what I'm saying is so many of us, I mean, we're, just, we're so inwardly focused about our stuff and our issues we need to stretch out of that. It's really easy to get people to talk about themselves if you show genuine interest. And, and, and just, I want you to think about that for a moment, because sometimes you can you leave a conversation and they know who you are and who your, who your wife or son, daughter is and husband and kids and grandkids and schools you went to and, and the latest golf score, and you don't know a thing about them. I'm just saying, is that a problem? I don't know that it's a problem. It's something that I would think about, okay? Um, Characteristics of this, of this others-minded, others-focused person doesn't dominate conversation, doesn't get into conversations with an agenda necessarily. I want to I get this done uh, um, in terms of just personal stuff. Um, does, does more asking than telling. Um, it kind of develops a knack of the balance of asking and of listening and of sharing. And the bottom line what I'm talking about is this person is just genuinely genuinely cares and interested in others. And it's that way because of the love that Christ has put in their heart. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, this, this others-minded focus or follower of Christ. It's just an important issue. Um, 
goes through that whole thing in all those verses. So two, two got to have so far, right? It's an importance of understanding this sense of belonging. It's being an others-minded follower of Christ. Third thing. Now we're going to get a little different here. Okay, I'm going to go to this third thing. And some of you are, are going to have a tendency to want to tune me out, but I want you to stick, stick with me, all right? Because this is, this is a very important issue wherever you are on the spectrum of faith. Um, it's being one who desires to share his or her faith. Now, whenever I say that term, there will be people here who will interpret that so many different ways. What does that mean, share? Does that mean share my faith? I got to go down Times Square and, and do that whole thing that you see done all the time down there? Ah, you know, you need to come to Jesus. Hey, you know, whatever floats your boat. Uh, that's not what I would recommend. Um, but, but what I'm talking, well, let me show you a verse. Let me show you a couple of verses. And you've seen this before. You saw that we, we, our verse of the year. We started off the year with this. We're going to finish the year with it, and we're going to talk about it in the middle of the year. It's uh, Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Another translation, the message translation, puts it like this. Go out and train everyone. You meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he goes on the rest of that. Jesus himself said the purpose of the church, what we are here, is to reach and teach. Reach and teach. That's what we need to be about. And that's what we need to be about individually. So when we talk about sharing faith, what does that mean? You know, that could mean something as simple when you're having lunch with somebody or you're, you're, you're sitting with somebody somewhere and, and they're just saying, you know, I'm really struggling with such and such. For you to be able to say, you know, I don't know where you are on this. This is something that I've dealt with before and this is, I'm not there yet, but I've, I've, it's, it's helped me to know that I can take some of these things to God in prayer. Maybe it's that simple. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's, it goes further than that. We have one guy in the last service and... Uh, because Alex, let me, let me get, I'll get back to this for a second. I, he's one of these guys that, that likes to tell people about Renaissance, about Renaissance Church. He's been here for a couple of years. And one of the things that we do, and one of, one of the things that we, a tool that we offer you is, and it's, it's, it's a, a different way of sharing faith, and maybe you, maybe you would want to call it that, maybe you wouldn't. It's where you can just say, you know what, I don't know, you ought to come to church with me sometime. I go to this church and we really, they talk about some of these culturally relevant things and the music's just, you know, kick, it's just great and it's just amazing. And, um, and the pastor has a hard time sometimes watching his language. But anyway, um, it's, it's, it, no, it's, it's, it, 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 that's one way that you can, you can share your faith. You don't have to come to church with me sometime. Well, this guy, the guy, his wife recently told me, and they're members of a particular club, and I'm not going to say which one, here in the area, in a private club, and, and she was, said to him, she told me the next morning, a couple of weeks ago, she said, I had to literally start kicking him under the table because he kept going on, you, everybody here needs to come to Renaissance Church. And she says, Rich, it was just terrible. I said, well, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I have, no, I, have, I have no problem with that. And she said, well, it was, he was really getting over the top. You guys need to be in Renaissance. And I'm just like, good. Yeah, let him, let him keep going. You know, anyway, that's one way that you can do that. I'm not necessarily saying you go to your club and start, you know, proclaiming, uh, you know, why everybody needs to go to Renaissance. I, I, I certainly don't object to that. But it might become 
just as or more effective in a, in a personal conversation. You know, the statistics are phenomenal. I don't know the numbers. I, I could give you some estimates, but I always mess those up. doesn't matter. It's overwhelming. People who come to church, come to New Church, often come overwhelming on the arm of a friend. And some of you are here right now uh, because you came on the arm or with a friend. Or you met somebody here. One day, somebody invited somebody to come. I knew who they had invited, and I was standing out front. And, and um, this is true, man. This is, and, and I was talking to him. I didn't know. I had known this guy for a while. I knew he had never been here. And I, just, I didn't know what he was doing, whether he was just walking by and, and seeing me or and what. And, and somebody had invited him to come to church. I didn't know that at the time. Anyway, and he said, hey, is so-and-so here? And I said, well, I haven't seen him yet. And uh, he said, okay, well, I'm going I'm to take off. I'll talk to you later. I said, okay, see you later. I didn't think anything about it. Um, I found out later they had invited him to church, and they weren't out there in the front to meet him, and uh, he, didn't, he didn't want to come up by himself. And um, I, I mean, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, man, I had no idea. So the next time he came, uh, he said, you see so-and-so? And I said, no, but you're staying right here. And, uh, and, and they were a little late, and, and I said, you're not going anywhere, dude. And he said, what? And I said, just stay right here with me. And I was still out there, and, uh, and then finally they, sh- they showed up, and then he came up to church. And uh, isn't that weird? Isn't that funny? That's a smart person, you know, socially fine and all that. Just one of those things. So, so it's one of those issues. And some of, some of you here because of the, so hey, you got some friends and maybe they're struggling, maybe they're not. This is an easy way to say, hey, you know, why don't you come to church with me? And who knows? You know, what, what's going to happen with that? Who knows? That's God's business, not yours. It's not our business, but it's just ours to, to be able to, to help where we can. Let me show you this real quick. Um, this last C.S. Lewis quote, I want us to take you to that, because this really, this was in our This Week at Renaissance, okay? And This Week at Renaissance is something, if you, don't, if, you're not, if you don't get that, just go to our website, and you can sign up to get it every week. We send it out Friday, usually on Friday, and it comes in your email, and it just tells you what's happening this, this weekend, the sermon and, and, and the message and so forth. And, um, and I, but it's worth the price. It's worth the price alone just to get the quote of the week, Okay? That's my part, okay, just in case you didn't, hadn't figured that out. And uh, this was in this last week's at Renaissance, quote of the week, C.S. Lewis. It has to do with this whole outward focus thing. And it's just really, it, it was C.S. Lewis's advice on, on giving counsel and, 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 and talking to people about their, your faith. Because so many times, whenever you mention Christianity, what do you get? Oh, man, the Christians, they're judgmental, man. They're judgmental, and churches judge people. That's the exact opposite of what Jesus had in mind, the exact opposite. And, and, and C.S. Lewis gave this great thing, and if you saw it this week, if not, here it is. Think of me as a fellow patient in the same hospital who, having been admitted a little earlier, could give some advice. Isn't that good? I'm glad I heard those sounds. That means you haven't seen that before tonight, you know? And you get Brennan's this week at Renaissance, don't you? Yeah. Uh, it's okay. You don't have to explain. Yeah. Uh, deal with that later on, would you, Heather, uh, head of the home? No, I'm kidding. Um, just joking. Um, isn't that a great statement? Just think about that. Think of me as a fellow patient in the same hospital who, having been admitted a little earlier, could give some... That's what, that's, what, that's what we're looking for. That's what... That's what God's looking for in us. Outward focus. It's huge in your life individually. Huge in your life individually. Because if you don't have it, you've got some relationships that are probably pretty messed up. It's huge in your life as a follower of Christ or even as a person who's thinking about being a follower of Christ. It's huge because it will make the difference in your life. And only Christ can give you a 
thorough, whole approach to, to what that means to have that outward faith. It begins inwardly and takes effect outwardly. Let me pray and thank God for our time and get you out of here. God, thank you so much for your love for us and how you teach us, inspire us, and empower us to have this outward focus. We thank you for that. We thank you for the grace, the love, the forgiveness that comes in knowing that Christ came and lived and suffered and died and rose again for us. We thank you for that. Thank you for, for, for forgiveness and grace that comes. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen.